Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox. Bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hello. Just a heads up that the following episode of Our Curious Past explores the work of an influential but extremely controversial Christian cartoonist called Jack Chick. His views on topics such as sexuality, religion, and culture are not ones that I share, and some listeners may find them offensive. Thank you. When I mentioned on social media that I was researching the life of the late American cartoonist Jack Chick, the response was immediate. Posts and messages pinged all day from people saying that they had been affected by the work of this Christian artist, particularly those who had grown up in the 1970s, 80s and 90s. Up until his death in 2016, Jack Chick had been a hugely influential figure in evangelical Christianity. And despite his death, his views and influence continue today on a significant number of Christians, both in the pew but also even in politics. One commentator called Jack Chick the most widely read theologian of all time, end quote. Yet he didn't share his messages through books or sermons, but rather with little palm-sized comics called Chick Tracts, about 13 by 7 centimeters and roughly 20 pages long. Just a tad smaller than a banknote. And yet, over 900 million of these tracts have been printed so far, and his most popular tract is called This Was Your Life, been translated into 120 languages. I own a copy translated into the Zulu language. I've got about 180 chick tracts in my collection. Though just because I have a collection does not mean that I supported the things he believed. You see, his aim was to convert the world to Christianity, and yet with that mission came a terrifying vision of global conspiracy and evil. Jack Chick had a deep hatred of other religions, of rock music, of the Catholic Church. He was a Protestant and he saw the Church of Rome as being in league with the devil. And if you were to pick up a chick track today, you will find it to be shocking. It will be anti-gay, anti-evolution, anti-pretty much everything. And there's a constant theme running through his work. A warning to the readers against what he believed was the stark reality of Hellfire. So, when the people contacted me via social media when I said I was researching Jack Chick, I found many people who were clearly affected by his work, and some said that they had hated him since childhood. One woman even told me that she and her friends threw an online party when they heard that he died in 2016. And so, who was Jack Chick? What did he believe, and how have his views managed to remain influential even today? Well, I'm Peter Laws, and today on Our Curious Past, we will enter the frightening world of Jack Chick. (laughs) 
What makes Jack Chick's work particularly unsettling is how it comes to most people. Folks don't find his art in galleries, newspapers, or even comic book stores. Rather, Chick's work seems to find them. These tracks seem to magically appear in public places. People have told me that they found Chick tracts tucked in the magazines at the doctor's office or waiting for them in the public toilet cubicle perched on a paper dispenser. One man told me that he opened up a brand new heavy metal record in a store to find that, unbeknownst to the owners, a Chick tract had been hidden inside the sleeve. In fact, a couple of years back, I got a message from someone in America, a reader who bought one of my books from a bookstore in the US. And she said that when she lifted it off the shelf, there was a chick tract tucked into the pages. She thought this was some sort of clever uh, publicity thing that me and the publishers had arranged, but we hadn't. Some churchgoer had simply figured that people who read the types of books I write, scary novels or strange, mysterious nonfiction, well, those readers must clearly be in need of God. Many others were simply handed chick tracts directly by strangers in the street. Like the hiker who told me that he once had asked a cute elderly couple for directions on a poorly marked woodland trail. They slipped a chick tract directly into his hand instead. For what better direction can there be than to escape the fires of hell? Now, if you haven't found a chick track waiting for you yet, well, the chick faithful might say that the reason for that is cosmic, that the devil has been actively keeping them from you. Until now, of course, this very podcast episode might be your divine chance to find the light, such as the mystique that surrounds a chick tracked journey from pencil to eye to soul, at least as they would hope. These little comics are seen as part of a divine publishing vision where Chick's work will eventually find everybody in the end. Many who do stumble across a Chick tract will throw them straight into the trash, disgusted with how they decry things like, quote, Satan's shadowy world of homosexuality, which is the subject of a tract called The Gay Blade. Others might find the tract just plain scary, since Jack Chick seemed to eagerly, constantly nag the reader that they could die this very night, probably in a horrible car crash or by suicide or from a disease like AIDS that he would see as a fitting punishment for gay sex. Such grim deaths, however, are only the start. The tract's true horror comes post-mortem, with hand-drawn panels of foolish unbelievers plunging headlong into the lake of everlasting fire. If only they'd taken their Chick tract seriously. I spoke to the current boss of Chick Tracts, David Daniels, who took over the running of Chick Tracts when Chick died in 2016. And Daniels told me that at the Chick publication offices, they have cabinets full of testimonies from people who are convinced that they were indeed saved from hell by Chick's work. They could even tell them the particular tract that did the trick. According to Chick Publications, quote, these people were spared a Christless agonizing eternity because of a given or well-placed chick tract. Such urgency, coupled with a sense of divine guidance at the fact that these tracts somehow find people in a shop or in the street or slip through their letterbox, have shocked and inspired what Daniels told me are thousands upon thousands, quote, of people into repentance. And if they don't know how to become a born-again Christian, well, chick tracts make it easy. A printed sinner's prayer sits on every back page along with a blank space for the address of the local church. So, for some Christians particularly, they love Chick Tracks because it doesn't mean they have to share their faith by preaching on street corners or even getting into a conversation with a fellow bus passenger. 
They can instead just slip a comic to the stranger's bag and get the heck out of there unnoticed and perhaps unchallenged. Chick was open about being a shy person himself, so this hit-and-run method was appealing to him and to millions of his followers. And so, let's dig a little deeper into the life of Jack Chick and how he ended up being both revered and hated for his little palm-sized comic books. Jack Thomas Chick was born in 1924. He was a sickly child whose ears were lanced by the doctor 12 times before he turned one year old. And in an open letter to his followers in the year 2000, Chick suggested that his early ill health was the result of his mother's attempt to abort him. As you might imagine, his views on the topic of abortion are decidedly pro-life. In the little comic tract he wrote called Who Murdered Clarice, he describes abortion in America as, quote, the new holocaust. Despite his mother's attempt to terminate the pregnancy, Jack said that he survived the perilous womb, and he was born into an opportune decade instead. He came of age in the 1930s and 40s when the golden age of comic books were in full swing. Detective strips and superhero serials were everywhere. But also were the infamous Tijuana Bibles. Now, if you don't know what these are, these are full-on pornographic parodies of Mickey Mouse, Dick Tracy, and Popeye. Word of advice, if you want to Google them, just don't do it at your work desk. Whether Chick actually read these shocking little pornographic strips is anybody's guess, but the Tijuana Bible format, that's palm-sized eight pages, are certainly the closest match to what the Chick Track format would become. According to the official biography You Don't Know Jack, written by David Daniels, the world would try to corrupt Chick from an early age. Davis claims that Catholic members of Chick's extended family forced him to blaspheme in exchange for food, and that they pressured him into seeing a fortune teller. Such events would clearly affect Chick's view of Catholics. We'll look at that more in a moment. But at school, Jack Chick kept himself out of major trouble with a love of sketching and a passion for drama. In 1942, he beat 50 other candidates to win a two-year paid scholarship to the Pasadena Playhouse School of Theatre. Yet bigger drama was to come. In 1943, during his second semester, the war whisked him off to serve in New Guinea, Australia, the Philippines and Japan. Some online sources will claim that Chick's gruesome and violent artwork would be inspired by the death and mayhem he saw on the battlefield, but that's not particularly likely. He actually worked as a cryptographer, and so never once saw a gun being fired at him or, indeed, at an enemy. Now, Chick had still not become a Christian in the army, but he did show a distaste for, quote, sinful ways. For example, when he was stationed in Japan, he declined an invite to a red-light district. He pretended he was married and said that he'd rather stay faithful. He didn't have to wait long because he met his real-life wife back at the playhouse after the war. She was called Lola Lynn, though Chick would sometimes call her his honey girl. In 1948, he and Lola visited her fundamentalist parents in Canada on their honeymoon, and his new in-laws insisted that he listen to the Charles E. Fuller old-fashioned revival hour on the radio. Now, 
advise you out in the radio audience to get that Bible and open it right away quickly to mark the first chapter. The church of Jesus Christ is not taught as well as it should be upon the subject of Satan and demons. I want you to follow... He said it was the first time he had really heard the precious message of the gospel, quote, and his faith blossomed over the next decade. By the 1950s, he was working in the aerospace industry as a technical illustrator, and even did some syndicated comic strips in newspapers. However, it didn't take long for his artistic skills to fuse with his faith. By the 1960s, Chick had already started writing tracts. He and his wife Lola turned his kitchen into a production space. Yet things went to the next level when he met a missionary and radio broadcaster called Bob Hammond. Hammond said that the communists had been taking control of China through a series of small illustrated books. Chick's vision was galvanized. Perhaps God might use his own little books to start a Christian counter-revolution that might not just challenge communism, but every other evil ism that threatened to ruin the world. And for Chick, almost every ism was evil. The following decade saw his tract output grow and grow, particularly in 1972 when he hired the talented artist Fred Carter to help keep up with demand. And as the company developed, so did the controversy around Chick's shocking worldview. As you look over Chick's work, you will see that his worldview believed that this earth is filled with corrupt and evil groups. But almost all of them seem to thread back to the Vatican and the Jesuits in particular. Chick even said that the Catholics were the, quote, whore of Babylon, as revealed in the book of Revelation. And so he produced a wealth of tracts and comics filled with a dizzying array of anti-Catholic accusations. For example, he claimed that the Jesuits had helped engineer the American Civil War and had even arranged to have Abraham Lincoln assassinated. He said the Vatican masterminded the Freemasons, the Illuminati, the New Age movement, and the Mafia. In one of these tracts, he claimed that the Catholic Church invented communism, the Ku Klux Klan, and Islam, and that Muhammad was, in fact, a Vatican agent. In his tract, Holocaust. Chick even accused Rome of backing Adolf Hitler along with Mussolini and Franco and claimed they were the true architects of the Holocaust itself. In a tract called The Beast, Chick described the Pope as Satan's masterpiece, quote, and nothing less than the Antichrist. Considering the scale of Chick's output, such offensive views made a significant impact. Protestants already had occasional uneasy relations with their Catholic neighbors. Yet in the 1970s and 80s, Jack Chick was now telling them that they should be terrified of Catholics. Not least because the Vatican, he claimed, held a supercomputer that listed the name of every single Protestant in the world. He warned that these computer files would be used for an organized persecution in the coming days, which might even include mass murder. In the tract, My Name in the Vatican, Chick claimed that the Catholic Church had already murdered 68 million people between the year 1200 and 1800. Now, unsurprisingly, Catholics weren't impressed with all of these claims, especially when they kept finding these inflammatory booklets left on their church steps or tucked into new books written by the Pope at Catholic stores. Yet, just as controversial as the claims themselves was the source of all of this information. 
it tended to come from a man called Alberto Magno Romero Rivera. He insisted that he was a former Jesuit priest and bishop who had turned into a whistleblower, trying to expose what he believed was the most evil organization on the planet. Entire tracts were designed around Rivera's claims that he had insider knowledge. He even said that he'd been given access to secret underground libraries at the Vatican. And yet critics, both Catholic and Protestant alike, understandably asked for proof of these accusations. Chick responded by publishing Rivera's 1967 ID card along with letters of certification and other supposed proofs, insisting that they weren't forgeries, and yet few outside the Chick worldview were convinced. In 1980, the widely read Catholic newspaper Our Sunday Visitor even ran a $10,000 reward to any reader who could produce solid evidence to support these anti-Catholic accusations. Nobody claimed the reward, not even Chick himself. Other evidence surfaced instead, claiming that Rivera had faced various fraud charges and had even fathered two children during a supposed period of celibacy. No official record of Rivera's ordination was ever found, no certificates, no underground library tickets. This was enough to turn even previous Chick fans away, but Chick himself and many of his followers remained loyal to Rivera, and still today, Chick publications are scattering public places with their warnings about the so-called Whore of Babylon based on the claims of Rivera. But it wasn't just the Catholics who Chick targeted. He was also convinced that the world was filled with an organized legion of demonic cults. Chick was always ready to warn people that his version of religion was the only true and trustworthy one. The rest, he said, were demonic. His tract claimed that the Mormons, for example, worshipped the demonic god of Baal, and that their founder, Joseph Smith, was a devotee of the occult god Jupiter. In one of his Crusaders comics, called Exorcist, he says that there are 300 million Hindu deities, and naturally, quote, all of them are satanic, according to him. He was particularly irked by the Freemasons, saying that they worshipped the goat-headed demon Baphomet, and that the Masons had even machine-gunned a church full of Christians at one point. But Chick was also convinced that more stereotypical devil-worship cults were a widespread reality, and his tracts are strewn with horror film sketches of robed figures stabbing corpses on altars and undressing for grim, orgiastic rituals. And interestingly, you can still see his influence today on those who support movements like QAnon, who are convinced that, for example, Democrat politicians and certain high-profile celebrities are part of a satanic, baby-eating cult who meet in secret. Chick lay much of the blame for this widespread Satanism at the door of pop culture, and a key figure in the hellish propaganda machine was, for him, the 1960s show Bewitched, which Chick saw as a gateway drug into devil worship. Subsequently, his tracts both reflected and helped fuel much of the satanic panic of the 1980s and 90s. Dungeons and Dragons was a particularly insidious threat in Chick's eyes. His infamous tract, Dark Dungeons from 1984, showed how D&D could only ever lead to despair and suicide. His views helped turn the tide of public opinion against role-playing games and video games in the 1980s. Most dangerous of all, however was Halloween, which became the target of much of Chick's ire. He claimed the season was invented by ancient pagan priests from England who would knock from door to door demanding sacrifices for their false god. 
and if the families had nothing to give, Chick claimed that the priests would take a child and slaughter it instead. This, he claimed, was the true origin of trick or treating. Kids of the modern world were no less at risk. In his influential tract, The Trick, he warned that druids would routinely give out Halloween candy laced with pins, razor blades, crushed glass, and poison. If you ask some evangelical Christians today what they think of Halloween, they will often share some of these opinions, perhaps not realizing where their ideas came from. According to Chick, the devil's followers had infiltrated every walk of life, especially rock music. Even Christian rock music wasn't safe. For Chick, the music itself, or more specifically the drumbeat, had inherent demonic power. Chick's comics claimed that, quote, the same beat the druids used is in the rock music of today, both hard and soft rock, the beat is still there, exclamation mark. I saw the influence of this idea firsthand once, when I was in a band and I was touring playing across England and Germany. And we went at one point and played in a church venue, and the minister asked us to put the drum kit under a huge wooden cross. The acoustics would have been crappy, but he said that at least the cross would, quote, sanctify the beat. That's what he said. Chick was keen to show how comprehensively this druid music could corrupt. In his infamous track called Angels, a Christian rock band called Green Angels signed with an agent called Lou Siffer. Yeah, Chick's stuff is filled with these sniggery-jokey names. And after signing a contract in blood, they descend into chaos and tragedy. Band member Bobby turns gay and wants to marry a man, so Siffer thinks, quote, I'll give you a little wedding present, some AIDS. Bobby soon dies from it and ends up looking like, quote, skin and bone, Another band member, Jim, overdoses, and then Don somehow gets sucked into what the track describes as vampirism. Only Tom gets out because he finds Christ through a chick tract. Tom promptly starts telling everybody to burn their rock albums. Claims of such widespread demonic conspiracy were bolstered by Chick's growing bank of controversial advisors, such as Rebecca Brown. She was a medical doctor whose books were sold through Chick Publications, and they share the story of Elaine, who claimed to have been a high-up member of a Satanist group called the Brotherhood. So high up, in fact, that she was formally married to Satan himself. Elaine warned of a world that chimed with Chick's suspicions. She said she'd witnessed baby sacrifices and the summoning of eight-foot-tall demons. She said she'd even met with the Pope in the Vatican so that they might strategize together for Satan. She met, quote, rock music stars who had sold their souls to the devil. And on two occasions, she says she even met a werewolf. Zombies and vampires also exist, she claimed. But this is, quote, a very closely guarded secret by Satan. Like Alberto Rivera before her, Rebecca Brown was quickly denounced as a fraud by many critics. Some accused her of being a paranoid schizophrenic, and she lost her medical license. Though she claimed this was all part of the conspiracy, and that the hospital where she worked had become overcome with witches. David Daniels, who I interviewed, admitted to me that her books had made a lot of money for Chick Tracts, but I did notice that they no longer sell them on the site. When I asked him why, he simply said that one day Jack was praying and the Lord told him to give Rebecca all her stuff back, and so he obeyed. 
and she went on to immediately find another publisher. Her books may be gone from the Czech site, but her influence is still felt through the tracts today. Another key Czech advisor was a man called John Todd. He claimed to be a former Grand Druid on a mission to crack open the secrets of the Illuminati. Todd was convinced that JFK had faked his own death, and that the actress Cindy Williams, that's Shirley from a show called Laverne and Shirley, had started a witch cult which became one of the largest homosexual covens in California. In the 1970s, Chick wrote several of his full-color comic series based on Todd's wild claims, such as The Broken Cross, Angel Light, and another comic called Spellbound. Since Chick saw the world as a clash between cosmic good and evil, it's no surprise to find that he viewed his own work as a genuine spiritual battle. He called his office the War Room because, as Daniels told me, quote, spiritual warfare takes place there. Chick even claimed that the devil had tried to attack him and his work. For example, Chick was writing a tract called The Last Call. This was one of his earlier tracts. And he was writing it in his lunch and coffee breaks at work. And he kept the manuscript in his car. And when the car burst into flames, Chick saw it as a clear spiritual attack. And yet the Lord, he claimed, had his back. When the fire was put out, he found that God had, quote, preserved that book. And through the insurance, he had even, quote, reupholstered my car for me. Chick was even rumored to have feared assassination, and yet in time, a less dramatic but no less tragic spiritual battle would come calling at home. Jack Chick's wife, Lola, had suffered ill health for many years. She died in 1999 while paramedics had tried to revive her on their dining room floor, Perhaps the very same room where he and his honey girl had carefully crafted his first ever tracts a lifetime earlier. Yet it was Chick's daughter Carol who fell victim to the very evils Chick had warned about for so long. In the authorized biography, it's revealed that Carol Chick was turned on to witchcraft at high school. She was married twice, had an abortion, and became addicted to chemical cocktails, which turned her into a wheelchair-bound wreck, as it says in the book. She eventually died in 2001 and never reached the age of 50. The pages of a chick tract had tragically bloomed into his own family life. And yet the shy artist with the macho heart wasn't about to give up the battle. He kept writing and designing tracts up until his death on Sunday the 23rd of October 2016, narrowly missing another chance to do battle with one last Halloween. He was surrounded by his fellow workers, who released a social media statement on his death. The company vowed to carry on his mission, quote, I promise to you, nothing changes. The method, the vision, the purpose. Indeed, Chick Publication still thrives today, with new artists taking up the legacy. And with a massive back catalogue of Chick's work, there seems no sign that Chick tracks will stop appearing. And neither will the controversy. Just a few days ago, I saw the people of Chick publications talking about how monkeypox is a divine punishment for homosexuality. Considering that Chick tracts have been spotted pretty much everywhere, it's ironic that during his life their creator was rarely spotted anywhere. Becoming something of a recluse and a notorious refuser of interviews, pictures of Jack Chick were hard to come by until his death, when his successors started sharing their pictures. Talk to them today and you'll find them to be proud and reverential towards a man that they saw as a mighty tool of God. Chick's reluctance to be interviewed is no shock to me. 
Because after looking over his career and his many, many tracts, we do find a man who wanted to be in control. It's why when talk arose of turning his comics into a TV show, he refused. I suspect it's also why the tracts never carried paid advertising either. In a world filled with demonic conspiracies at the very highest of levels, how could Chick ensure that his message wasn't compromised by relying on outside agencies? He found his answer by focusing on a small set of stapled papers that seemed disposable and throwaway, and yet the art and ideas inside it carried a rare power that still fascinates people today and shocks and appalls them, regardless of their beliefs. The folks at Chick Publications attribute the power of these tracts to the Holy Spirit, moving through the pencil of a man who simply wanted to save us from the forces of darkness. They'd say his motivation was love, not hate. Chick once wrote why he was so hard on the Vatican, for example. He said it was because he, quote, loved Catholics so much that he wanted to save them from their false religion. Yet for others, Chick tracts can only ever be tools of prejudice, paranoia, and a cruel lack of love. So much so that the mere mention of his name brings a coldness to many who took a seat in a coffee shop and found a booklet of terror waiting. One atheist told me that thanks to Jack Chick, he remains a, quote, mildly paranoid adult. Now that Jack Chick is gone, perhaps we'll never really know what drove him, whether it was love or judgmentalism or something in between. For myself, I find Jack Chick's expression of Christianity to ironically lack the kind-hearted love of Jesus who seemed drawn to embrace those outside the church, not to condemn them. Yet people at Chick Publications would argue that we will get our answer when we die, as we tumble into hellfire and discover that the paranoid world of Jack Chick wasn't so paranoid after all. And when the demons start prodding us with their cartoon pitchforks, we might hear Jack's echoing ha-ha-ha from the distant fields of heaven, saying, It didn't have to be this way. I sent you my tracts, but you just didn't listen. Well, I'm Peter Laws, and you've been listening to Our Curious Past and the Terrifying World of Jack Chick. And just before I sign off, uh, you may want to check out peterlaws.co.uk if you want to find out more about my books and other shows, including Frightful, which is a scary true stories podcast. Um, you also may be interested in checking out patreon.com forward slash peterlaws, where you can get ad-free episodes of both Our Curious Past and Frightful. And becoming a patron means it's uh, possible for me to make these shows. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. outside of Christ in the radio audience, friend of mine, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you'll only believe in him, to not perish but have everlasting life. God says, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. 
We're in a great spiritual warfare. I want you to come under the operation of the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Become a new creation, passing from death unto life. All things becoming new and be able to stand against the wild of the evil one in these closing difficult days. God bless you as you're making the decision. Kneel where you are and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. And him that cometh unto me, God says, I'll in no wise cast out. Continue in prayer as we leave the air. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.